Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Tai Rivera. Happy birthday to you. Test tube. Test, test, test. Test it up. Testing. SAT test. Test. SAT test. Test. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. I can hear you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. As always, we come to you from high atop Ty Rivera Studios, a.k.a. Casa de Bijou. If you didn't recognize that voice you just heard, it was the one, the only, the lovely, the vivacious. Vivacious. Ooh. Ms. Carmen, a.k.a. Carmine. Hi. Hello, bothered folk. Morales. That's me. The botheredites. Yeah. <laughs> the botherinas. <laughs> yeah, the botherinas sounds good. <laughs> Hello, botherinas. Yeah. <laughs> hello, you should still greet every every podcast. You should be like, hello, my little <laughs> botherinas. <laughs> Papa bother is here. <laughs> Papa bother. <laughs> Papa bother is here to discuss it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Let's, let's get to it, botherinas. <laughs> ba, 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 bother. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> well, everybody, in case you didn't notice, we're here for another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I, like I said, I'm talking to Carmen Morales, and I realized something today. What I, was that, Ty? Well, I'll tell what did you, you Carmen. Realize? I'll tell you what I realized. <laughs> I realized that even though you've been on the show, I think three times now? Something like that. Three, well, four. Who keeps count? There's the lost episode that will never see the light of no day. No one will ever <laughs> Which is, I wish there was a way to archive it, you know, and then like somebody, if they, if they ended up giving you like a lot of money, they could access it. I think I completely deleted it because I didn't even want it hanging around. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check and make sure. But if yeah. it didn't, it'll be deleted because I just. Yeah. You know, I just. Technically, I have a lot of information on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's ever going to be my path. You know, I don't ever <laughs> feel like I'm going to be untalented enough that I'm going to be like, <laughs> you let me just sell people? everybody else out yeah. and completely stop being my own thing. Yeah, you yeah, you don't think you're going to fall far enough down where you got to consider blackmail. That's fair. And I think that once you do that, you're that person. Yeah, there is no... There is no coming back from that. Yeah, and then nobody wants to trust you or talk to you. And everybody tells me their secrets. That's the reason I have so much information is because everybody just voluntarily tells me mm -hmm. stuff. And I've had situations where I could erect people that were that had turned on me later. But I'm so weird about that that like in my head, I feel like we were friends at the time. They told me in confidence at the time. Yeah. I'm not going to say it now. Right. You know. Now you talk some crazy shit after we're not friends. I'll screenshot it. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But that's not blackmail anymore. You know we don't like each other. So yeah. it's, you know, you shouldn't be sending me any crazy shit after that. But yeah, it should be, you know. During the time when we're friends, I'll keep that confidence. I could have ruined one of my friends completely that way. It was just like, yeah. And they really did fuck they me over the at the end. You? Yeah. Yeah, they did fuck me over at the end, but I still felt like, no, nah, I just wouldn't feel good about me at yeah. that point. And it's not even about what I could do to them. It's about where I would leave myself in the way that I would think. Yeah, because you're the one that's got to feel with it later. Yeah. And yeah. It, late at night, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, like right now I can say late at night that I go to sleep with a clear conscience. I mean, I do sometimes later on, like rethink certain things I said and did. And I'll be like, yeah, maybe you could have done without saying that or that wasn't the nicest thing to say. But I don't have like a heavy conscience about it where I'm like, yeah, you really were wrong for right. that. And when I am truly wrong, I don't, I don't care. I'll hit people up and just be like, hey, this part I went too far or, you know, I shouldn't have said that or done that. Yeah. But so, um, but yeah, what I realized was before you sidetracked me. <laughs> 
that you've been on like three times now mm-hmm. and we've never done a like actual get to know Carmen. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess I've just uh, I've always just sidekicked it. Yeah, we just start chatting and mm-hmm. being like regular homies again. Yeah. Which, uh, just to set it up, because we'll still do plenty of just chatting, so anybody at home, don't worry, it's not going to be like a boring questionnaire where I'm like, so, Carmen. <laughs> why stand-up? <laughs> oh, I hate why stand-up. I know, why stand-up is so shitty. I also hate, so how'd you start? I get a lot of the female and comedy thing. And I, I don't know what people are expecting. Like, I don't know what they want me to say when they ask me about how hard it is to be a woman in comedy. Do they want me to just say how awful it is and how, like, it's I the get worst? the gay and that is where we're supposed to victim out. I've realized that. And you notice that sometimes people go, become completely disinterested once you don't go that route with them. Yeah. Like, they want you to get... They want you to drop something heavy on them yeah and it's like if that's not my experience and why am i gonna say that you know, like because i've had that happen with um even just like written interview type things like mm-hmm. what kind of discrimination have you faced as an lgbt stand-up comic and i'm always like from my own people it's usually gay people that try to or you know mm-hmm. gay venues that try to limit me like redneck clubs don't Really try to limit me. I've been honest about that. You make it through. You done did it. Yeah. (laughs) Then they found out they was cool with it. He did the job. (laughs) You getting that check? I'm like, I don't take checks. (laughs) This is a one-nighter. You don't write me a check. You give me the cash. You got the money in the till. Mm, I'm sure. You've got 150 bucks on you. Yep, for sure. (laughs) A lot of these one-nighters are 150 bucks. It's like where you're like, just give me my gas money. I'll be out of your way. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like we need to go to a lockbox for this one. Yeah, I'm definitely... It, there's definitely yeah for sure pull it out of your wallet mm-hmm. just pull it out of your wallet already just give it to me <laughs> just give me the cash we're gonna give to the coke dealer it's gonna be here in about 20 minutes yeah the waitress has it under her tit just <laughs> yeah it's not really <laughs> that much you're spending more in the drugs you and your buddies that own this place are gonna do ah oh, hell Earl. i'll just give him the money from under my tit he knows <laughs> how did he know that man just- i gotta I got to be more crafty where I hide my money. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. (laughs) But how? Okay. So I will start off with one cheesy question just Mm -hmm. so I know because I've never asked you this. A little cheddar never hurt nobody. Uh, A little Mm. cheddar. A little bit of cheddar. (laughs) Never. Mm. It is your cheat day. You can cheese it up. Oh, I just had the double. What was it? The double quarter pounder with cheese. I know. I watched you eat that entire thing. You sure did. I did. All you had was fries. <laughs> I went all the way for it. I was like, this ain't Vegas, but I'm all in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. here's what I wanted to ask. How long have you been doing stand up? Uh, I'd say like nine and change, nine years and a little bit. Cause I, I also took like a, a, almost a year off when I was a couple years in, like I kind of went, got real sad and stopped doing it for like a year, and was it but just, I would still go to every open mic. Isn't that fucking weird? I would go to every open mic and not go up. So you were kind of like one of those borderline fan comics. Um, I don't know. I just, I, uh, I just was in a sad place and I just didn't feel like I, had it um but i would still go because i mean i'd it'd been a couple years so like i'd made friends with a bunch of people so i still went and then were you depressed because it's something to do with stand-up or were you depressed just because life or both it was kind of both um i had fallen in love with a friend of mine who was a comic at the time and he still is but and um we didn't know each other so i'm off the list go ahead yeah it's a scam <laughs> So it was just real scandalous bullshit that was happening, and, and it really bummed me out and put me in a real sad place. And uh, shit, where you eat type stuff. Types kind of, um, kind of. It was it was a lot with to do with a a chick I was living with. Like the whole thing was is like it was like New Year's, and he was he was hanging out at our place. Like I had a an apartment with this chick, and you know. After everybody shows, we were the store, essentially. Everybody came and hung out at my house, and we smoked weed, and we bullshit, and that's, like, where everybody came to hang out. And mm-hmm. I would cook food uh, sometimes, or we'd order pizza, whatever. It was just, like, that's where everybody go at the end of the night. And um, this dude that I really liked was there at my apartment, uh, like, on New Year's. Like, after everybody went to all their New Year's gigs and shit, everybody came back to my place, and I told him. I finally told him, like, how much I liked him. 
and um because i was smitten for over this dude since i met him and then you know he was like you're hammered we shouldn't talk about this now and then like i woke up and like the chick i was living with was like in bed with him i knew that was gonna happen in this story i knew that's where we're going i just didn't want to Yep. Yeah. So uh, I was super sad about it because that dude was like practically living with us for a little bit. Like he was like our guy on the couch type shit because he was that hardcore of a road dog. Like he would. Yeah. So it wrecked you. It it did. It wrecked me because he was also like super mentor to me too. Like so I took I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't feel funny anymore for a bit. And then a friend of mine. Another comic friend of mine had like just like after one day just randomly was like, hey, you know that silly voice you do when you're off stage whatever because i would still like bullshit with comics and riff off stage yeah be silly yeah um he was just like you should do that just go on stage and do that and i was like all right because that was the other thing too is i was also doing an impression of what i thought a female comic was so i had a joke about a vibrator at the time i had never used a vibrator you know what i'm talking about it was one of those things (laughs) like i never even i was just like this is you know that's what i saw on tv so i was like okay i'm supposed to talk about you know why do guys lie about the size of the dicks? It's not like we're not going to find out. You know, it was like all this shit that I didn't really believe, you know. So it was between the sadness with the fucking, the dude I was in love with being my best friend. You were sad because you were a hack. I was sad because I was a hack too because I didn't know any better. I didn't know any, but it just didn't feel right, you know. I was like, man, I these jokes get laughs, but I don't fucking know. I, I, oh my not god! A, I didn't feel real. I never knew you were a hack for a while. I mean, like everybody knows I'm a hack, mm-hmm. but I didn't know you were a hack for a while. It was just the first. It was like my first, yeah, year and a half. My first year and a half too, because that was the thing. Is I always had the stage presence, you know, from being a theater kid. So I'd get on stage and I wouldn't be scared, and that immediately gives people give you the benefit of the doubt. You know? Yeah, yeah, the confidence and the and uh, so. <laughs> So then I, anyways, my buddy's like, oh, do, do the, that, you do this, that black preacher thing. Do that black preacher thing you do off stage. And so I did it. You have that in one of your bits now, right? Do you still yeah. do that bit? Like the not black much preacher? Anymore, but preacher? yeah, not much anymore, but yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's when I first, when I first met you mm-hmm. in uh, Minneapolis, Lilydale. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. Where we were Saint doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where we were doing. what was, joke joint. Joke joint was, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's where I saw you and it was like super impressive and like definitely it was just a real silly thing and I just did uh, I just did a sermon as a black preacher about tits and and that's what it's and then it turned into a bit like I was just doing the character like they just like that I did the character so I would do the character but you had shaken the hack by the time I met you Mm -hmm. you weren't yeah you were because that was the whole thing I I took a year off and then I did that the character thing and then I felt like I was being more like I want I felt good when I got off stage. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, oh, I got laughs. It was like I felt good about what I did on stage. Yeah. And you were. So when I met you, you were about seven years in. I think so. Yeah. Maybe eight years in. Yeah. Or, or, no, maybe six years in because like maybe we've known each other for three years now or has it- something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was, so. So you came back. And mm-hmm. then um, and then I, n- I never stopped since like since I never took a break. I never I never quit like every I haven't not been on stage long. I think it longer than two weeks. And that was just because I literally couldn't. Or yeah. maybe, no, it was probably a week. I think the, a week is the longest I've ever been not on stage. There are several comics I think about when people go down the um, female comics can't do this type of road. Mm-hmm. And you're one of them. Uh, that I think of when I'm like, no, actually, comics that are female, female comics, you're right. They can't do a lot of stuff because they're female comics. Mm-hmm. But comics that are female can do as much shit as they want to. Right. Like, that's the way I've always because like me, I'm not a gay comic. I'm a comic who's gay. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, and I feel like if your mindset is you're this particular thing, then you're right. You are limited. But if you're just a comic who happens to be this other thing as well, then you're still open to everything. And you've really been able to do the road and kind of defy a lot of what they say that women can't do in comedy. Well, that's I had a kind of a unique uh, situation is is like that concept of me being one of few women among a fuck ton of men is not new to me. Like that's happened to me like throughout my life, like in high school, I was the only female I was a golf player. 
and I was the only female. So I used to play with the guys. It was I never got to play with other chicks. I always played play with guys. Well, even and, if there had been other females, you still would have been the only female. As far as <laughs> <laughs> I've seen those lesbos. You. <laughs> so. <laughs> I want to point out Carmen is straight for anybody that got thrown off by the golf comment. She is. Well, she doesn't like labels, but she's and she, she dates me. fluid. Isn't that what you call it? Yeah. I'm so fluid. I accused you of being fluid earlier. I was like, sexually fluid. I think technically, isn't it pansexual? Which means I just fuck whoever the fuck I want to. Yeah, I believe that is pansexual. I believe you are a pansexual. <laughs> Oh. No panty oh, dropper. So <laughs> She's a panty dropper, is what she is. I don't know. I feel like all the labels kind of like to me. Just it, it compartmentalizes people even more. I thought the whole thing was unity, man. Like I don't know. Oh, I'm all about putting people in convenient boxes that work for me. <laughs> <laughs> You've got labels you don't even know about. I don't like labels. I've got I think a it's because of my commitment issues. I've got a dossier on you. <laughs> <laughs> that would bring a tear to James Comey's eye. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I, yeah, I didn't like what so it, the me being a and you got to remember too like oh, it's almost a decade ago, right? There there isn't the boom in stand up that there is right now. Mm-hmm. So there was significantly less women. So when I started, there was only one, two, three. I was the fourth female comic in the entire city of Orlando, Florida. There was only four. And there was a ton of guys, you know, but there was only four chicks. Wow. And the other thing that I think helped you out a lot is the guys didn't go easy on you. No, like. I was fortunate enough, like Orlando was a small enough town where everybody knew everybody, but it was large enough where there was, uh, there was like people who just started where I was. There were people who like, there were host middles and feet, like features and headliners all in the same scene. So I was fortunate enough to have like this really like perfect combination of it being small enough, everybody knows everybody, everybody knows everybody's shit. Uh, so it's like a super cool small town feeling. Everybody's nice to each other. Um, and nobody's like really like attacking each other for much because there's enough time for everybody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's there's still there's still a hierarchy of people like there's still growth. You can see progress literally. So it was um, it was cool that I would have they I would have all these dudes and they, they saw that I had stage presence. So they would like bust my balls about, you know, and then like I remember one time. You know, because I took it very seriously, like, once I really got into it, once, especially once I, like, took the time off and came back on, like, I took it maybe a little too seriously. Like, it was, like... I've been there. Yeah. And so, one of the people that I, like, was inspired by or looked up to, like, would make a comment about me not knowing what the fuck I was talking about, and I would get emotional and cry, you know, or the first time I ever, like, auditioned to feature for... You know, and people who weren't to me weren't as good as me were moving on and I wasn't, you know, when I got told no, like I took it really hard. Like, of course, not in front of anybody, but I fucking cried in the shower like a little bitch. You know what I mean? You know, I was I was fortunate in that way. Me personally, just because I always felt like I wasn't going to get anything anyway. Mm hmm. So when I didn't get things, I was well, and then like, after oh, that, that time, then I didn't like I was just like, oh, sometimes things are going to be bad. There's it's OK, you know, and yeah. the guys and when I told the guys like they made fun of me, they made fun of me for being so upset about something that because like now when I think back, it's like I was sad that I wasn't allowed to do comedy in the fucking lobby of a hotel that's not even in existence anymore you know like that's what i was sad about that i couldn't fucking do 30 minutes in some shit gig bar in claremont florida like i was that's what i was so yeah it's funny like when i think about it back now i was like yeah what a dumb you know but to me that was my my whole life my whole life mattered if i was gonna be featuring oh yeah well yeah when you say it that way yeah there Mm -hmm. were definitely a a few pubs Mm-hmm. That I was a little bit bitter about not getting the the gig right. on, you know, where I was like, oh, so I'm not gonna be doing Springbok, right? Okay, and that's what when I think <laughs> I guess Springbok was- doesn't need me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too it for me, are you Springbok? <laughs> Your loss, right? <laughs> 
driving home in the car. Is they didn't even say no indefinitely. They were just like, no, we'll see you in six months. And I was just like, six months? Like, I don't even know if I'm going to be doing comedy in six months. Like, yeah, know, the, way the, things, the way things are going right now, I don't know if I'm going to be around in six months. <laughs> oh, you'll be around. You'll be around. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but- you'll be fine. And that's like what they were doing. Like, oh, you, is the world gonna end because you're not getting paid? Yeah. Notice how that never worked, and now it works a quite a bit. Yeah. You know, now it works quite a bit where people can wind their way into things. <laughs> but we started around the same time, you know, because I'm 13, mm-hmm. you're 10, so we're kind of right in the same. And yeah, people just cared a lot less about your feelings back then, where yeah. it was just sort of like, yeah, well, shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was fortunate. Like I, uh, it, you know, it definitely toughened me up. And um, especially also like, again, being used to being in a male dominated situation, like it was never really to me, it didn't seem weird, you know, because I was just so used to it. And, uh, you know, but I got along with the other chicks. It was super cool. Like two, like one of them, she still does it. The other one still does it, but not as much because she's got a she's got a cute little baby. So but they're still both they were funny, like they were funny. I had other funny chicks around me and it wasn't just like isn't it hard for us huh like we would never sit around and do that we would always just get together and write you know well because i think what a lot of the the comics don't get is uh that once you're really around the other comics everything falls away and that's all you are is a comic yeah like i don't really think the other comics see me as a gay comic anymore they're just like yeah that's ty yeah. You know, you really do become whoever you are. You're just like, yeah. oh, that's Carmen, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not about like, oh, they're female. It's just like, I need a comic. I need someone who's funny. I need, you know, someone yeah. that can do the 30 minutes or the 45 or whatever it is I need you for. Hey, you, you're standing here. You're yeah. at Norm's tonight. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to book this gig or, you know, get this figured out. Because I've had situations where it's literally been like a. I'll take anybody who's close to me that can do the spot and isn't going to give me a headache. But that's the thing I think people a lot of times forget is a lot of stuff is booked by other comics and we're still all procrastinators. We're still all bad at business. That's the reason we're in this business. We have to pay people to do the business for us yeah you know so uh and it's and i co- i totally understand why people take things personally because what we do is very personal you know like these are what my thoughts are this is what i think so yeah it's it very you. inward pointed so whenever like i totally get if you know people get upset if they don't get into a festival or a booker doesn't like them it's like they don't like me because this is this my comedy is representative of me so they don't like me as a person but I mean, you get after you get no a few times. It's just like, yeah, I'm just not for you. Like you realize you can't you can't you're never going to get that love you never got from your parents, from anybody. You know, you're never going to or whatever. I mean, you all have all the love. So you're you just, you're a fucking snowflake. But I mean, for a lot of this, force, <laughs> you can't force people to see greatness no matter what you do. Sometimes <laughs> like you can slap them in the face with it, but they're right. still just not going to acknowledge it. And I've I've learned that I've recognized that it's their problem. <laughs> This is my thinking. This is my thinking right now. (laughs) Right. So, uh... But when I do... But then I also, like, thought about it, because I also, I went to school of... I went to college for business, and there's no... I mean, they they teach a whole class, basically, about how, like, emotion, like, can ruin business. Mm -hmm. And, like, think so... I always just remembered, and I thought about, like... I would just sit and I would daydream about like what bookers do. And instead of being like, they don't fucking do anything, which is what everybody thinks. I was like, what do they do? Okay. They have to, they have to take, first of all, they have to take thousands of emails from comedians asking for work. Fair enough. Um, they have to book, they have to book all the comedians for all these places, make all of the changes, make all the promotional materials. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about me. And it's totally fair because they're doing their job. And so like, I would try to just remember that. And then like, I would get less and less butthurt, anytime anything if i got canceled like i wouldn't get up the first time i ever got canceled i was um, uh, so upset so upset oh yeah well that's all yeah i've been canceled before and been upset canceled, and then like the day before eventually when it was gonna be like 500 bucks or something legit and i was just like you kidding are you kidding me it's a huge bummer you know i still i know that there's some times where that is truly just the way it goes down but i still think that's unacceptable when it is like actual money that, you know, because yeah. like 500 bucks, I think anybody agrees. I mean, maybe there's some rich people listening that don't 
feel this way, but I think most of us feel like 500 bucks is 500 bucks. Yeah. I need 500 bucks or I, you Even know. if you're a rich person, if you make a $500 sneeze, like you're going to take note of it, you yeah. know? Um, and that was a whole, and, and then, but then I have also done gigs for somebody where it canceled and they gave me like, they gave me the money anyways, me too. Yeah, or they gave me half the money mm-hmm. or just something, some kind of token of, uh, I, I apologize. This was never, it makes it a lot easier to swallow. Even when it's like <laughs> yeah. half, it, it really does. And that's make just it a good lot. business, but we're also in the business of a lot of bad business. Too. Yeah. It is when they're kind of like, yeah, fuck you. Piss off type of thing yeah. that it's just, you know, that it, to me it's disrespectful but i've had people yeah pay me that was always good when people just pay you and you're like wait a second i get to stay home and i make my money anyway yeah all right yeah i don't mind this cancellation when <laughs> i take back all those right. terrible things i said about you in my head right. you know? <laughs> but yeah and so i didn't even know you'd been to college mm-hmm. yeah i went to school uh for marketing for accounting for photography because i was I was just being a, I was, I taught myself how to use a camera real well and was just being a freelance photographer. I was just doing that to make Well, money. that you did, you did photos for me when we were in, uh, Lilydale. That's right. Oh, yeah. I forgot I took pictures that weekend. Yeah. So I was doing my, that. I was shooting uh, weddings and stuff and it was. You're my face. Like one of your pictures was my Facebook profile for a while. Oh, nice. Yeah. That really, you know, makes me feel special when you, I've seen you have like a blurry cell phone picture as your profile picture before. too. Well, you know? I don't know what you're trying to do right now. <laughs> okay, I don't know what you're trying to do. I'm I try to saying. compliment you. You try to drag me down. Do you see why our friendship doesn't work out? Do you see why I don't mind trashing you on social media occasionally? <laughs> Making up lies about me. You threw me out of your car. We're I not going to argue. You threw you- me out of your car. What you know? I read somewhere that you slit someone's throat in front oh of their mother, <laughs> and then I I also read that you sexually assaulted a mic stand. So you know, I'm, you don't read, don't believe everything you read. Ty. I guess we really are getting to know you on this episode, aren't we? <laughs> I didn't think it would get so dirty. <laughs> Jesus. Is it dirty? You've been holding a lot back. You really hate me. Admit it. You hate me. Stop it. I love you. I didn't think you'd go for the jugular like that. In front of my children? My children are here. They're sleeping. They're fine. Jerry's looking dead at you. He can't believe what you just said. He didn't know the slit your throat comment. They're dogs. You want to tell him there's no fucking Santa too while you're here? Why would you say that in front of the puppies? There is a Santa, you guys. That's just the kind of terrible person I think Carmen is. That she would (laughs) lie to you and say there's not a Santa. Santa bought you those alligators. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I don't think I'm supposed to be laughing as much. Well... You've ruined our friendship, so you might as well enjoy it. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it uh, it wasn't. Anyways, I got a, a pretty thick skin from everybody busting my balls. So then I just started busting balls back. I just clearly, started... <laughs> clearly, <laughs> took to it like a fish to water, didn't I did. you? <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what I used to do, and people used to get mad at me, and now this group of people. Because before I did stand up, dude, I was I was exhausting. Like I would do karaoke like I was that was my outlet. Yeah, I did a lot of karaoke. I hosted karaoke. But you are a good singer. You have a good voice. But it was still it was like a no. It was annoying. Yeah, you're too much. I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, and I was that person that was on all the time and didn't know how to turn it off just because I would get I would have just this like an obscene amount of just energy like and I would just really try to make my friends laugh like to a point where they're like just stop please please stop i'll never forget i was having dinner with uh, two friends of mine and they were like <laughs> they were like they tried to, they, it was like an intervention like they were like you're too much you gotta you gotta tone it down man yeah we don't need all this nobody's gonna want to be your friend they pulled some shit like that and then i found comedians and i was like oh you guys are all annoying just in the same way that i am 
and it's so lovely. Yeah, and then once you have that outlet of being able to be obnoxious. Then you just immediately become chill. Like, I don't. Yeah, for 30, 45 minutes a night or even. I, when you t- It takes that much. You don't. I don't have to do that. I'm I'm hardly ever on. Like I must seem the longer I do stand up, the more and more boring. I'm pretty sure I seem off stage to like. I wouldn't say boring, but you're definitely chill. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not what I would call an all the time on person. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's saved me so. Stand up saved me socially for sure. Yeah, and so then when we caught up with each other, you were doing how many weeks out of the year were you on the road for a while there? Um, for five, there, for, there was like five years there where I was, it was like anywhere from 45 to 50 weeks a year. Yeah. See, that's even more than I've ever done. I would just, I would go home. I would go home for Thanksgiving and I would go home for Christmas and then I would just, I would work in Florida just so I could see my folks for like two months and then I would just go out again. And were you, cause you were featuring at this time, right? Mm-hmm. And were you featuring for a headline regularly or were you just, that was all self book, just random shit that I would just piece together. And I would ask, I would blast all of these bookers in like one area and be like, ask them for a specific date. And then the ones that would give it to me, then I would just piece it together. So I would, it would make sense for me logistically. Even more impressive because I was very fortunate in that I, you know, started working with Joe Coy at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And then his schedule became my schedule. He was like, any of these dates you can do. So I was on the road like crazy. Oh, but I think awesome. like maybe 30 to 35 was the most I was ever on the road in a year, 30 to 35 weeks. Yeah. Um, not. 40 or you know like upwards yeah, of. it went pretty crazy for a few years with yeah like, and mm-hmm. but mine was so much easier because then i didn't have to think about it it was just like joe was pick whatever date you want and this is when we'll be going and of course i took almost every date he had available except for the ones where i was already booked on my own mm-hmm. and yeah but that's really impressive that you were able to just piece it together like that on your own well it's it i took the whole like you know, you throw a kid in the pool and hope he figures out how to swim type of thing. Like the first time I ever went out on the road, I had like an audition set up to work for a chain of clubs. And then I had like two and a half weeks booked with like some dead time in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. And I left with like, I didn't have a job at the time. So I left with like 200 bucks to my name and I was just like, hopefully I'll figure it out. And then I did the audition for the club and like, the club manager and the headliner both called the because the guy that was I was supposed to audition for never showed up so I drove like nine hours to do 25 minutes in front of somebody that wasn't even there you know and it was so I was like freaking out I was talking to the headliner about it so he was like he was like fuck that he's like I'm gonna call and leave a message on your behalf and I was like dude that's amazing and then the manager was like dude that was killer and I was like thanks I was like I've never worked for these guys before and he was like well if you want I'll I'll leave you a good and I would like I was like I would appreciate like appreciate the shit out of it so then like the next day I called the club and was like hey you know I I didn't nobody showed up for the thing and they were like oh but we got this really good feedback about you so he was like I have these fallout dates if you want some of these fallout dates so I immediately like the first time I ever went out meant to go out for two and a half weeks and was out for two months because they gave me all of this fucking fallout work. That's great. And that's one thing we do have in common right there, because mm-hmm. I've always been the If they offer it to me, I'm just going to do it. You yeah. know, there were times when um, when I was working with Joe and thankfully he was really understanding about it is one thing I really give him a lot of credit for, because sometimes he'd be a little bit slow about telling me when the next dates were going to be. And he obviously knew, but he just, you know, we're all comics. So, you know, you're not the quickest about that always. Mm -hmm. And so people would hit me up to book me for other stuff. And I would just be like, okay, well, since I'm not guaranteed to be with him anywhere, then yes, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to ever get a reputation for not following through on the gigs. So when he would give me the other gigs, there was another comic, Adam Hammer, that now does a lot of a lot less comedy. I think he's more on the writing end because he ended up having a kid and, you know, he's got a wife and everything Mm -hmm. like that. So um, but at that time, Adam was the other feature slash opener that Joe would use. And so then Adam would just take those weeks and then Joe would take me right back after. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I was really good at really good about that's the reason that I continued to work afterwards. I think a lot of times when people 
get used to featuring mm-hmm. in a way they don't take their other stuff as seriously. You know, like their own independent headline, you know, like especially if yeah. they're working with a headliner regularly. It's like since they know that they have that, they won't try to do their own stuff. Well, my progression in it was like it was like, OK, I just wanted to be a good feature. Like and then when I started featuring, I was like, this is the best gig ever. There's no pressure. You can do whatever you want. You have 30 minutes. So it's enough time for you to play a little bit in the middle, whatever. It was the sweet spot. I, and my original goal was I just wanted to be the highest paid feature in the country. Like that's what all of I us would, want. <laughs> I just <laughs> wanted headliner money for feature work, you know. Um, Theo Vidal told me that when I first went on the road with like, I hung out that dude I took head, her headshots oh really yeah when I was in Tampa Florida doing the side splitters with her she's so you want to talk about a person who makes a transformation I know right for anyone that's not familiar at home some of you may not be comedy buffs let me explain two things i know i've explained it before but traditional shows go opener feature headliner so the opener does like 15 minutes usually feature does half an hour headliner does 45 minutes to an hour so what me and carmen have just been talking about like as far as feature we're both talking about the middle spot which everybody knows that everybody in comedy knows is like the perfect spot because the audience isn't too drunk you don't yet have, you don't have to you don't have to do the work of the host or, or or opener you don't have to do which which is to unify an audience and to get them to all focus on the fact that there's a fucking show yeah happening. wrangle them and you don't have to do the work of the headliner which is all the pressure of this is the reason that you're here you're the responsible for the show being good if the other two comics eat shit you have to be the one that doesn't eat shit yeah <laughs> like you- and the audience just to add to the pot the audience is uh as drunk as they can possibly be in the oh, night yeah. or as By drunk the as they're way, <laughs> not only do you, not only do you have to babysit people at their drunkest at the show but you also have to witness them start to do math in the middle of your set oh too. yeah because once you really get going as a headliner once you really get to the once sweet spot of your shit set and you're like really have everything <laughs> By the way, the checks are out now. Oh, and yeah. And now people have to disengage with you. Now completely. they realize what those chicken fingers cost, <laughs> how much they paid for that souvenir glass. Mm-hmm. Like all of this is <laughs> friendships are made and broken during this time. Yep. And this much. is where the headliner is. And then uh, just to clear up the other part, if you're not familiar with the Vidal, uh, she was great headliner. Still works Incredibly the road. Funny. I think she she hosted the Porn Awards one year or yeah a couple years back yeah 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 yeah. and she had her own abc sitcom Mm -hmm. back in the day it was named after her brandy that's how america originally got introduced to brandy before her music Mm -hmm. she played thea's daughter on the show and um i remember i first saw thea on uh rodney dangerfield one of his hbo introducing the new comics Mm -hmm. type of thing but for anyone that's not familiar, that's who Thea is, and she is still around, and she is great, and she can rock a room like nobody's business. Amazing. Just gets on stage and immediately commanded the the audience, and I and I really liked that about her, and I was just like, oh, you just go up there, and you tell them. Yeah, well, you the way those them, old school comics turn it on, mm-hmm. it's really impressive to see. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter what they're talking about or how... Like, sometimes you'll look at a comic that's been doing it forever and you'll think this particular comic isn't going to relate to this audience. Because, mm-hmm. like, I remember one time I saw the late Vic Dunlap. Are you familiar with... Did Mm-mm. you know Vic Dunlap? Vic Dunlap is an old school, like, comedy store and everywhere L.A. guy, you know, and he did the road quite a bit and stuff. Uh, it was actually quite successful in his time, but way older, white man, and, you know, kind of silly, old school comedy. Right. Almost vaudevillian borderline, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Um, and I would see him go up in these Latino rooms where it would be like cholos, and you'd think, this is not going to work. There's no way this guy's going to pull this off, right? And he would turn it on, and they would love him so much by the end, by merch. I mean, like... They were yeah. practically chanting his name by the time he was right. there. And it was it's just always so impressive to see the way these comics and it, you're right. It is more of a matter of these comics have learned to tell the audience. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is. You're going to love it. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Whether and, and again, it goes back to like what we've talked about with you, like whether you agree or not, you're still going to laugh. Yeah. It, and if you can get the audience to have their that kind of confidence, you can in you then you can really go in so many fun different directions 
and really kind of push the boundaries of of what likability does and like what you can get away with and also bringing your own energy because you're relying on the audience for less and less yeah you know it's like i don't need you to power this joke i'm gonna power this joke that's why i think that's part of the reason why um it's like you can always tell like a new con like new comics as far as they're thirsty for that you know they need that i just need but i just need you to now it's i don't want the same things as i used to okay that's that's really what the sentence is i used to want them to laugh and now i want them to laugh at something specific does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah i used to just want to hear oh my you get it okay you're on my side now it's like here's why you're gonna laugh at this yeah and also i think new comics ask you if this is funny seasoned comics tell you this is funny right you know like it is like they get on stage and they're just like i'm just here to convey this to you yeah where a new comic is like huh right you think that's all right is that am i allowed to say that that's why it's always funny when i see somebody who's trying to do edgy material and they and it always eats a huge fat cock is because they say it but there's no balls behind it. Uh huh. You don't get to say something horrific and then it be with a question mark. You at gotta the end. own that shit. Yeah, you yeah. can't. Be, uh, they, there's no rape joke with a question mark at the end of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or a Holocaust joke that actually gets laughs, or you know, a cancer joke. Any of those things. The any of those things that are ever discussed, all. Yeah, unless that's the intended, unless that's the actual effect you're going. Yeah, yeah <laughs> then, yeah, you can get away with it. But if you're truly asking them yeah. if you're allowed to say this, the answer is no. And it's not even like uh, it's not even because that's what's funny is because we're all we're all still like creatures. You know, we can still sense each other's shit. So mm-hmm. you might even you might think you're faking it. But if it's so fake, like we can smell it. It's everybody can smell yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why sometimes people will try to tell a story that isn't them mm-hmm. and the audience will sense that even though they don't, you know, they They're don't know like, the don't person. Like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's not your life. Mm-hmm. Right now you're trying to sell me some goods that yeah. I'm not going to buy. I'm just like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. But yeah, so you got to work with Thea and you did her pictures and was there anything that stood out for Thea or stood out with Thea for you? Because I remember she gave me some good advice. She said, baby, if those white motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think all the advice she ever gave me started with that. Yeah. Baby, <laughs> if those white motherfuckers. And it was always like, if they don't let you, you do whatever the fuck you want anyways. It was essentially like, if I could sum up all of them together, that was b- the basic premise. Was, yeah. Don't let them tell you you can't do anything. Exactly. You know? You know, Lunell also gave me advice like that. She mm-hmm. was like, don't let them tell you anything. And she didn't throw in the white motherfuckers. Yeah. Lunell's style was different, you know, when she talked to me. But yeah, same kind of thing. She was like, don't let people dissuade you from what you're trying to do. You do you. And mm-hmm. that's when, what's going to make you stand out. Yeah. I know sometimes people probably tell you you're too much or you shouldn't say certain things, but that's what's going to make you stand out. Yeah. So um, it was between that and her the commanding the stage. And that's the other that's the other thing, too, is like when I was little, I, I remember being like a big uh, like Celia Cruz fan uh-huh. who's like uh, for people that. who are listening. Yeah, so <laughs> she talked a lot about sugar, a lot of caramelos, a lot of, a lot of songs about candy. But she is like she was like the like the the Cuban equivalent equivalent of like Aretha Franklin. Like they called her the queen of salsa. Right. Mm-hmm. And she like and she that was the other thing too is she was like a larger lady and uh she wasn't like the most aesthetic aesthetically pleasing woman either as far as like by american standards she'd be called ugly probably probably you know like not yeah, to exactly. be mean yeah but, no but, but because america's different but mm-hmm. yeah and um she was still a bad bitch and like you know what i mean and was like the queen like you could still be the queen and like to you me you can tell her any different yeah exactly. she was owning everything and she everything. didn't care yeah. and she she owned that shit and so it was like between that and like I was just I never really thought about it I never thought about my gender ever holding me back at all Mm -hmm. like I had to I like learned that from usually people of my same sex yeah because we also didn't talk about that but like the other thing that makes you so hardcore is you are or were I don't know so much anymore but like a couch surfer Mm -hmm. I still do I still 
I still couch surf it up. Yeah, I'm more of a car sleeper than a couch surfer, but it's not because I'm at all worried about staying in, on people's couches. I just don't feel like I'm the best house guest because mm-hmm. I'm so used to owning my space that I feel like I almost take over people's houses. I gotcha. Even mm-hmm. though I'm on the couch, I have a very strong pull. Right. <laughs> 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 so I don't I don't too much like to stay at people's homes. Are we really going to turn on the TV at this time? I'm still sleeping. You know, I can totally imagine. That would be so I feel fun. like I kind of, you know. Like, <laughs> it's maybe your house, but this is my room. Yeah, man. For, for those five years, I think the only time I ever got a hotel was just a fucking. That was the only time, you know, if I wanted to go half season, something like that or whatever. Um, I'm the same as you with that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only time I'll pay for a hotel room is if I'm actually gonna fuck somebody. But uh, yeah, but just my alternative to that is sleeping in the car rather than on a couch. Yeah, I think, and man, I think maybe like five times ever. Really? Yeah, I always uh, cause it always just start. You know, I'm fucking, uh, I'm adorable and non-threatening and uh, and charming it's hard it's hard it's hard to say no you know to you know i'm not you know I'll, i clean the dishes i i make sh- i make effort i make an effort well to be that's a house the guest thing too, with you know? me when i am a house guest that way like i will be good to people mm-hmm. they'll come home and everything will be clean mm-hmm. and i also don't go through Fold up my little stuff. blanket you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't make a mess i yeah. try not to yeah i don't go through people's stuff i'm not at all nosy you know but i will make yeah. sure that er- anything that's like you know out and i know i can touch i'll straighten up and be like okay i can clean this and make sure this is all yeah you know so i never really had to sit and then even i remember one time i, I think was that's a- also the latino in both of us though to mm-hmm. a certain degree because latinos are just like that it's like okay they're just cleaner yeah I as can. a people i think mm-hmm. um yeah well, some white people white just be dirty i know <laughs> baby at those white motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> maybe those white motherfuckers don't wipe down that counter you know <laughs> i told you white people hate cleaning counters i don't know why but <laughs> I think cleaning counters killed their father. <laughs> they just can't do it. It's they just won't. too much. They refuse. Um, yeah. And so I would, I remember one time I was in Milwaukee and this kid had came, he came to the show and I was like, I was out and I had just like, like I was in a new place. I had never, I didn't know anybody there. Like it was, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do type of thing. I had like three days off, three mm-hmm. or four days off. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Um, and this comic shows up and he's like, Hey, uh, can I do a guest set? And I was working with a buddy of mine too, who was flying out cause he was headlining. He was like, uh, this comic was like, Hey, can I do a guest set on the show? And I was like, if you give me a place to stay for the next four days, <laughs> <laughs> I totally gave him the ultimatum. And I was like, if you'll, I'll totally give you, I'll get you like seven minutes on the show. If you get me fucking. That's comic say. currency. And there is nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's what all of us. Yeah. It's everything. The headliner was like, dude, that's hilarious. And I was like, I'm not fucking around, man. I need a place to stay. Yeah. As the headliner, if and I were the did. headliner, I would have been down with that too. I would have been like, yeah, you get a place to stay for four days. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is allow this kid to do a fucking guest set. This kid is on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if he sucks. He's five minutes. Well, it might like my. I, the headliner didn't care like again he was like a friend he was like again one of those headliners that when i first started was one of the guys that worked the road and stuff so yeah. he didn't give a shit you know yeah you don't he care about we five fine. minutes at the yeah, beginning exactly yeah. <laughs> i don't even think we had a host so he was he was more than happy for somebody to take even a bullet, better yeah you know? it's like cold open so it was like perfect he was mm-hmm. saving the show and saving my life yeah and um you eat it for five minutes while they order these drinks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say my name right, kid. <laughs> Annie, text me your address. <laughs> so oh, that's great. Um, and then, like, I ended up only staying him with him for like two nights, because then I met I met Laura. I met my, my who I live with in bunk beds right now. I met her, and I ended up staying with her. Like we met and we did that. You know, when alpha females meet, they just they do that whole sniff each other's <laughs> butt to see like. What kind of alpha bitch are you? Uh-huh. You know, and then uh, by the end of the night, we were we were just it was a great the greatest time ever. So that was in Milwaukee, and then you lived in Chicago for a while because you were like Florida when you first started. Then you were Chicago when I met you. Was that were you living in Chicago or were you? I think so. Somewhere I think I in between. Was, I think I just moved there. Okay, because I did two years in Chicago, and then I like toured. It took me eight months when I left Chicago to get here. Besides Thea, who are some of the, the headliners that really stand out to you in your memory? Um, 
the late John Panette. I worked with him. I never got to meet him. I heard he was great and super nice, but I never got to meet him. Super great, super nice. Um, I, I met him on, or not met him, but one of the times I worked with him was a weekend that he was kind of off the wagon, though. So he, like, tried to force me to do cocaine with him. Oh, okay. And, um... And the whole thing was, is like, this happened, and then, like, you know, he, he passed away, and that was, like, my big sto- st- but story, and it's not a nice story, so it was always, like, shitty, you know, yeah. but it really happened, and, like, in hindsight, it was kind of funny, you know, it, <laughs> it was, you know what I mean, is. like, <laughs> I didn't, because that's the thing, is I didn't really, I didn't even really do it, because I, I had a, I had an uncle that was a cokehead, like, I, it was, he ruined coke for me, you know what I mean? Well, that's like when Robin Williams showed up at the comedy store on a on a bender, and like a lot of us didn't know that he had been sober before that, or it, you know, like mm-hmm. it didn't occur to anybody. Everybody was just thought it was cool to take pictures with him, and he was like enjoying himself. And then it was like, oh, he was in a spiral or in a yeah. bad spot at that time. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing, I'm sure, for you with that John Panette situation, where it was like. I didn't really know it was that big a deal. I what, it was what was just... fucked up is like his fans made it worse. Like there was this doctor chick that would show up with like methadone lollipops and shit oh, like that. No. And just like really kind of and I just kind of saw like, holy shit, like you can get to a point where people don't give a fuck about you. Really? They think that they think that they're doing something cool when in turn they're really like. Yeah, for them, it's more about you. the you're a story. Yeah, you're not even a person it's just a story i got to give him you know and so. yeah oh yeah i gave whatever so yeah the things people will do to be connected to any level of fame or what they consider fame or you know like success yeah they're just like yeah i'll give you whatever so that i can just but yeah be i guess in your presence. He, he, it was like a buddy of his that he went to high school not high school with but so he showed up and like total man oh like hello blow whatever it is and panette was like I was I was just hosting. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even featuring for him. I was hosting, and I was hanging out with him in the green room. And he was like, he was like, "Come on, you want to do something?" And I was like, "Oh no!" I was like, "My uncle is a coke addict. He kind of ruined coke for me. I don't really, I don't really like." And he was like, "You're gonna do something?" And I was like, "No, I don't really. I don't know. I've never done it before. I don't even know how to do it. It'd be a waste, you know." I was just giving him like all these. Ex- and then he was just like, "You're not going back on that stage unless you do some with me." And I was like, "Dude, come on." Yeah. And then he like j- he like jammed his pinky in my nose, uh. and I but I breathed out instead of in, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't even do it. My no my nostril was just numb, uh-huh. but I didn't get high at all, you know. And then um, I guess that buddy of his had like told had like told him they had more at his bar. He wanted Panette to go to his bar. Like, and he was just like, Oh, it's not fair. I know it's always some bullshit scam. They want you to come party with them. And, uh, he was, of course he said it was close. And then Panette was like, you know, will you go to take me to the hotel afterwards? And I was like, sure, whatever you need. Um, and which is so funny is I think that's so funny because like, as like a comic coming up, you just always put up with that when you're you know what i mean you just like normally somebody would be like no you just try to make me do coke i'm not gonna drive you but i was still like uh yeah i'll fucking take you man like i still you kind of have to and it's kind of part of your job right you know a lot of comics don't really get that and then they wonder why they don't go on the road much but you tell a headline and it didn't have anything to do with me being abroad either yeah no that's what it is if i was a dude it would have been a dude oh yeah i've seen plenty of guys out on that trip you know where it's just like i have to drive him around because that's so, what it is. And of course, it's for his bar is 45 minutes away, Ugh. 45 minutes away. And um, and we get there. There's no blow. So now John is incredibly upset. He of got conned course. into going there. He, he the guy is like, oh, I'm so sorry. He makes us a cheesesteak because he's I guess he's originally from Philly or some shit up like that up there. And um, and me and I'm sitting at the bar with. Panette and he's just like he's like mad he's mad and I was just like ah. I was like it's not a big deal you know we get a free sandwich out of it you know <laughs> I'll still take you home like I'm trying to and there's somebody at the other side of the bar that's like talking and you know I think he gets like agitated about it and then the guy comes over because like Panette just yelled at him something like shut the fuck up because I was making a big deal that he was here or something yeah. And then the guy comes over and just starts talking. And then they end up in an argument and like Panette's like furious, like uh, in a, in a, in a, like, well, again, he's been drinking Patron all night too. So he was like, 
I hammered and upset. Yeah, just so he didn't want to be. <laughs> I'm a Patron guy. I can relate. <laughs> so he was. He said to me, he was like, go get the car. So pull the car around. So I go and get my car and pull it around. And right when I open the door, I see him like go to swing on the guy. And then I was like, John, come on, we got to go and get him in the car and took him to his hotel. And he was like, if you want, you can crash on the couch. And I was like, no, I'll just. I'll go home, dude. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry you had such a rough night. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I drove 40 minutes because his hotel wasn't that far away. <laughs> and I drove 40 minutes to where I was cause staying because I was hosting. So I didn't get a hotel room. So I was staying like as like a favor of a friend of a friend had this hotel room that they gave me to stay in. Yeah. So uh, so what was the rest of the weekend like? Was it more chill than that? No, he threatened to fire me the next night because um, I spilled a, sh- a shot. He had a, a shot sitting on like the 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 arm of a, the couch in the green room, mm-hmm. and I had went to my drink was sitting on the ta- the little table next to it, and I reached over to get mine, and I knocked the shot over, and it got on his pants. Yeah, and he was like, "You're," he like had some friends in the in the green room, and he was like, sh- "I went to go get like." you know stuff to clean it up and then when i came back in he was like discussing whether he should fire me or not <laughs> like with this like rich guy that came to visit him or something <laughs> that's some old school hollywood I shit where you're just like, like oh you're fired kid i know <laughs> and i was like oh, i'm sorry mr panette i didn't mean to like yeah well i <laughs> I guess I spoke too soon. I thought that was a good story, but it turns out that it was quite quite and a like, horrible weekend with John. Well, first the first two nights, and then from then on, it was cool. And like at the end of the weekend, he was like, "I'm sorry, shit got so weird. Like I'll throw you a couple of weeks as like a consol, you know, a consolation." And he did, and I worked with him again, and it was totally fine. And nice, yeah. Well, so then that turned out well. Yeah. Good. Well, it's good to know that he redeemed himself. Yeah, because the first impression was really fucking weird. Yeah, well, and you can't always blame people because, you know, addiction is such a yeah terrible thing. And some people just really, yeah, it, it makes you a different person. So mm-hmm. at least he redeemed himself and helped you out. Yeah. Um, but as far as other yeah. comics, I worked with Brian Callen. I worked with... Uh, Tone Bell and Brad Williams, who you're buddies with. And oh, I love Brad Williams. Yeah. He's such a good guy, such a fun guy, such a silly guy. It was so funny. My my aunt the other night texted me and she was just like, I wish you knew Brad Williams. I just saw his one uh, another of one of his Showtime specials and he's just brilliant. And I was like, and I sent her a picture of me and Brad together at one of the gigs we were doing. And she was like, no fucking way. Like, she was just like, I yeah, think he's so wonderful. Brad, yeah, our actual mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. Probably more friends than I am. You know what I mean? Like, I've known Brad for a long time, but I haven't hung out with him the same way you have. Mm-hmm. Like, you more go hang out with him. Oh, he's so great. I know. I know he's great and funny. Yeah. So. You know, it's always good when your friends are funny and you don't have to humor them. You yeah. Have to be like, no, you're good. Yeah. Because <laughs> he knows, you know. The yeah, but we all have those have friends do. too, yeah. where it's kind of like no, where they're you're not. Good. You're, you're good. good. Yeah, you're funny. Yeah, no, you're funny. funny. They yeah. just they'll catch on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in your head, you're like, man, I hope they figure this shit out. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I either figure it out or fucking quit. <laughs> Don't people have families anymore? What? <laughs> Does he need this? <laughs> Does, he, Does he need this? Does he really need this? You would think there's easier, better things. That, never um. <laughs> well, never mind. Just, <laughs> never mind. I'll let him. Well, we're falling apart. Pull it together. We're falling apart completely. Tyra Vera Studios has come apart. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't even. It's know really funny to watch you be tangled in wires, though. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I wish uh, I wish I had um, I wish I had more stuff about um, how hard it is to be a woman. But I, I don't. I got a lot of stuff because I was abroad. Again, I think part of it was like when I first started, there just wasn't as many chicks, you know. So if they needed a chick, it was like I had a one in f- one of them ended up quitting when I st- so it was like a one in three chance that I was gonna get it, you know. 
come to think of it, you are a female comic, and you're everything that's wrong with female comics. Am I? Yep. <laughs> I just decided. <laughs> Everybody, I appreciate you listening to Unbothered by Tyra Vera with female comic Carmen Morales. <laughs> She'll be on again never. <laughs> if you want to find her, go to her website, which is... CarmenMorales.com You can also find her on social media, The Funny Carmen. That's me, The yep. Funny Carmen, because there's a novella star, like a hot chick named Carmen Morales. Okay. Well, That's why I did it, The Funny Carmen, because she's the hot one, so I'm the funny one. You'll still be a female comic. Why? I, I feel like that's fucked up, man. Well, you know, I feel why like... You, why are you going to throw... Why are you going to... Why are you going to gender me? What if I'm a dude now? Oh, okay. Well, cool, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't call me a female comic. Well, Carmen is everything that's wrong with dudes and comedy. <laughs> I'll always find a way to be obnoxious, Carmen. I know. That's it's what one of my I favorite do. things about you. <laughs> Thank you. Very little. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Ty Rivera, a.k.a. America's favorite fag, which is where you can find me. I think this has been an absolutely lovely episode. I do appreciate female comic, comic Carmen Morales. Oh. <laughs> I worked so hard in my career to lose the female part. Well, you just got it back. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. Everybody, thank you for listening. I, as always, remain unbothered. Unbothered. Hmm. Hater. <laughs>